You're listening to the Carterville Church Life Podcast. I love our church family, and I hope that you do too. Our goal is that the episodes of this podcast would keep us connected and focused while we're scattered for our week on missions together. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear today. Hey, church family, welcome back to the podcast. So in today's podcast, I just want to share, I guess, some like footnote type thoughts to yesterday's sermon. If you were in church yesterday, we talked about Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 4. We talked about how Nebuchadnezzar had a vision, a dream, where he was this great tree that you know filled the heavens and fed all the animals of the earth. And, and then an angel came down from heaven and said, cut down the tree, and all these things worked so that Nebuchadnezzar, who had become way too haughty and arrogant, would be put in his place. He would recognize that, that God is sovereign and that all of his influence... Um, really is owing to God, not to his own strength, that he would humble himself and submit to the Lord. So he, you know, roams about as a beast of the earth. I mean, he thinks he's a, a, a like a bull or a cow or an ox. And so he like really lives out under the, the dew from the heavens, says the scripture. Let's his hair grow. Let's his fingernails grow out like talons, you know, personal hygiene out the window. Really, he loses his mind for this period of seven times, probably seven years. Um, and then he's restored to his sanity when he when he confesses God and worships the Lord, and he is restored to his throne, his position, his influence. Uh, but he's recognized that God was God. Well, that was Nebuchadnezzar's personal experience, and it was really important because Nebuchadnezzar was the king that was governing the Jews. I mean, he was the king into whom whose hands God had given Jerusalem, and so showing that God could establish or dethrone Nebuchadnezzar, you know, is a, a is an important word about God's sovereignty for the Jewish people, like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and all of their family members who are still home in Jerusalem. All right, so I mean, that's that's the the biblical content of the actual story on the level of the humans that experienced it, you know, 2,600 years ago. But there's this sort of, I don't know, there's this like, I guess, big theme underneath there that I think is kind of powerful, this idea of honoring God or refusing to honor God with our thoughts and about how the choice to honor God has sort of, um, I guess, after effects, and you know, in this particular case, it was a king who chose not to honor God, uh, and as a result, you know, God, God literally struck him. But but I think one of the bigger pictures is that what happened literally to Nebuchadnezzar happens kind of figuratively uh, to society. And I'll throw this I'll throw this out there. I think that Proverbs is right when it says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. You know, if 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 wisdom is wise living that would allow us to maximize the human experience, to love each other well, to create a society that is a blessing to other people, to avoid painful pitfalls and traps that would come from sin or wickedness or immorality, uh, injustice or oppression of other people. If if the fear of God is the beginning of that kind of life, if the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, uh, then it makes sense to me to say that a rejection of God, um, or in Nebuchadnezzar's you know case, putting himself in God's place, uh, d- deciding that his own strength and his own might and his own power were responsible for his life and his you know privilege and his blessing, then this rejection of God would be the first step in folly or foolishness, right? 
Now, we don't know exactly what it looked like for Nebuchadnezzar, but uh, Daniel did say that he had time to repent, and he did not take that opportunity. He didn't take the year that God gave him, but he had time to repent if he wanted to and turn his wickedness into righteousness and to stop oppressing the poor and start blessing. So what we could infer from that is that uh, while the Bible doesn't describe Nebuchadnezzar's behavior as a ruler of Babylon super clearly, and I don't have a depth of knowledge about it, I do know that just from that statement of Daniel, I can tell that Nebuchadnezzar was not caring for the oppressed, that he was he was viewed as a wicked person, at least, at least from Daniel's lens. So somebody was being harmed because Nebuchadnezzar was rejecting God and was too arrogant, was too caught up in himself. But I would even say that the same mechanism works like in larger societies, like when the spirit of the age begins to re- reject God. You might you might uh, contra- you know, kind of lay this over Second Kings as you watch Israel become more idolatrous and become farther from God. Uh, there's more idolatry, there's more immorality. When you read the prophets, you hear that there's more oppression of the poor. Uh, there's less compassion towards each other. Nobody's loving their neighbor unless it benefits them. And so it becomes a society that's unhealthy. Romans 1 speaks towards this, and I'll, I'll read Romans 1. Um, at least at least part of it. Romans 1, verse 21 and following says this, For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Like the state of our mind and our thoughts directly connected to our decision to honor and glorify God. Proverbs says the fear of God. Romans says you know glorifying God in the story of Nebuchadnezzar. It was acknowledging and glorifying God. But I just want to push this a little bit farther, you know. I think I think trying to reject God is a first step in us forgetting how to love our neighbor. And I know people would disagree with me uh, who are who are non-believers. But when I look up, I see all human life is sacred because God made them. That doesn't mean the church has always respected that well. It just means that biblically, that's true. I think that's how we should live. So I think a rejection of God, we're forgetting that human the next step would be that we forget that human life is sacred and we we lose the capacity to love our neighbor purely or for the pleasure for the pleasure of God and for his design of creation which I think could be dangerous and i think the next steps would be you know all types of different immorality that come when people just begin to serve themselves and when stronger people serve themselves more uh, and and harm people who are farther down the leadership chain. Anyway, I think it's normal. I'll keep reading some from Romans and just show you that this continues. Verse 22, although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Verse 24, so God's going to respond to their arrogance and their foolishness and their rejection of Him by just giving them what they want. Look at verse 24. Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their flesh to sexual impurity for degrading their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and they worshiped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever blessed. Amen. So in verse 24 and 25, God gives them over to this. And the next step is all kind of sexual sin and other degradation of their own bodies and other immorality. Verse 25 describes it as the exchanging of of the truth of God for a lie. You watch people begin to worship things that were created instead of worshiping the creator. That's a huge, insulting 
step down. Verse 26, because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relationships with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men, and they received in themselves the due penalty for their error, sexual immorality, uh, in chapter in chapter one verse twenty six and twenty seven, uh, because we're living for our lust, there is no fear of God. You know, when you dethrone God, this is sort of the natural consequences. Verse twenty eight. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, this keeps coming back to the mind. So God gave them over to a depraved mind, so that they would do what ought not to be done. I recognize that Nebuchadnezzar thinking that he was a beast for seven times is sort of an exaggeration of this, and I'm not trying to directly apply that, but I do think it's an interesting illustration, an exaggerated one for sure, in in the person of Nebuchadnezzar, almost almost like it would be a neat allegory for this passage. That's not what it was, but it, but it almost serves as the perfect illustration of it. Like what happened in that man quickly, I think happens in society slowly. It takes a little while, and sure, we're not roaming around, you know, chewing grass and you know sleeping in the dew. But I think in some other ways, we do uh, we do watch ourselves become. Uh, I guess, devolved, if you will, to a more base fleshly desires. And Romans 1 ends this way. They became so filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They're gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do the very things they not that they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. So, as I walked out of the pulpit yesterday, thinking about what happened to Nebuchadnezzar when he refused to glorify God, I just thought about how this happens with societies in general and with people individually. And I just want to remind us that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Our thoughts determine everything else that comes next. I would encourage our church family to make God the centerpiece of our thoughts, make our worship of Him primary. Be sure to glorify, honor, and honor God. Church family, I love you. Thanks for being in worship with us yesterday on the live stream or in the sanctuary. And thanks a ton for tuning in to today's podcast. If it was useful to you, as always, like it, make a comment, share it so people can find it. God bless you. Have a fantastic week on mission. Love God. Love people well.